todd dills. and in this edition of the overdrive radio podcast, we're going to hear from executive vice president of the owner-operator independent drivers association todd spencer and talking a little bit about the new knock out bad regs campaign that the association started up or announced last week at the mid-america trucking show when the press release came through on thursday morning last week just announcing the campaign kind of giving a little bit of the details couldn't help but notice that it sort of coincided directly with the big show out in front of the white house with the ata's america's road team drivers and you know i asked todd spencer about that a little bit if there was a any connection there and uh, he chuckled a bit and said now of course it was time for the uh, beginning of the mid-america trucking show and uh he went on to uh you know deliver um a message that i, I think uh, though it may have gotten a little bit overshadowed uh in the news last week of the uh, of the drivers at the white house uh, i think it uh, is a little more forceful and i suspect for most overdrive readers a uh, good bit good bit more meaningful here he is we have to start creating greater and greater awareness because Again, we're in this situation where we have more regulations now than we've ever had. We've had more enforcement of regulations than we've ever had. We have more compliance with regulations now than we've ever had. And safety isn't improving. It's going the other way. Crashes are increasing. The agency doesn't have a clue doing more, double down, doubling down on the idiocy that we've been doing is not only not going to improve safety, it's going to do just the opposite. We think it's time to start jettisoning some of the junk that clearly has no connection with safety. That's what this is about. And encouraging, encouraging truckers to actually become more involved. We tell them to go to our Fighting for Truckers website, sure. knock out bad regs. Got to be active, got to communicate with lawmakers. So we have an administration now that has said cutting regulation is a priority. And we want to tell them what we want to tell the, we want to provide the ammunition, the information for the administration, what they need to focus on. And it's, it's absurd, the people that we represent are career drivers that measure their miles by the millions, do you think they're not concerned with highway safety? They're more concerned with than anybody about their safety, about the safety of others, all the vehicles around them, cars and trucks. Joining the conversation with myself and Mr. Spencer was uh, OIDA board member Monty Wiederhold, uh, who's based in Ohio, runs a small fleet of eight trucks and uh, he, he had uh, elaborated on that uh, a little bit on that final point that, uh, that Todd Spencer was making. And think about it this way, Todd. If you have a guy that owns one truck or a trailer and he wrecks, gets in a wreck, whether it's his fault or not, but gets in a wreck and that, that truck is out of commission, even though he's got insurance to fix it, he's either going to have downtime where he's not going to have any income coming in. Whereas a guy that's driving a company truck, if he has an accident, he just, hey, come back to the shop and get in this other one and take off. I mean, I'm not saying it's, you know, depending on what happened, he, he could be fired maybe or reprimanded or whatever, but I'm just saying the difference is because we have so much invested there. I mean, it's not a job to us. It's a, it's a lifestyle to us. It's, it's, you know, it's way more than that. So. And as you are going out and talking to lawmakers, uh, uh, Spencer did uh, uh, give a couple of pointers here to keep in mind. Going, going by his own and uh, others, others' experiences that he's seen. 
Wiederhold comes in um, after after Spencer speaks. You'll hear the voice change, and uh, what he's referring to is a, a meeting uh, in which he he took part. Uh, uh, owner operator Scott Reed and uh, consultant uh, Richard Wilson, uh, whom I wrote about, were also there. Uh, it's it's the same meeting that uh, that was conducted with uh, Ohio Rep Jim Jordan uh, several weeks back now. And uh, he—that's what he's referring to when he's talking about the meeting. If you're going to communicate with lawmakers, you want to make your points without giving them a club to beat you with. Yeah, sure. And sure. if you're not smart enough to do that, you're better off not meeting with a lawmaker or anybody else. Sure. <laughs> and you know, and it's a matter of being in those situations and having that happen to you is a pretty good learning tool. So. When there are issues on the table, sure. focus on those issues. Sure. Yeah. If yeah. you're going to throw a lot of other stuff in there, if you want to write a letter, if you want to educate a lawmaker, you want to write a letter, you put 20 things in your letter. That's the quickest way in the world to get that letter right. set sure. aside. Sure. <laughs> you put one yeah. thing in there, maybe two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have something to talk about, <laughs> something to work with. And that was something that happened with the meeting was, like I said, there were so many people it started out really good, but then it got into the weeds about drug testing and all like that and everything. Yeah. And so before, and I'm sitting next to Jim, and I said, hey, look, I had the paper that we had put out about the two regulations that the Freedom Caucus had put out. And I said, here, we got these two regulations, speed limiters and the ELDs. Right? That's the only thing that's being talked about. Does this other stuff need to be looked at? Certainly. Right. But it's not going to be discussed right now. So, I mean, right. to talk about it, it's a good thing, but it's going to be a waste of time in the end. And Jim needs to know the two things we want him to focus on. Right. So, it, it, it wound up as a good meeting still, but I mean, it was, yeah. you know, a little bit out in the weeds there. So, so where is the, uh, the association now on the ELD mandate? Uh, ask that to Spencer, and uh, here's what he had to say. Well, you know, we've appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. Having said that, Supreme Court only accepts a fraction of the cases that get offered to them. We think if they were to look at this issue, they would address some of the issues that should have been addressed previously. One, the privacy issues. One, why is it this regulation actually requires surveillance of drivers for hours of service? Because it doesn't need to do that. Hours are hours, no matter where you are. Right. right. So the other thing too is that clarity of the courts. In 2011, we had a three-judge panel threw it out on the first, very first tenant of the argument. So then you have three more judges from the same court rule, and I guess that all three of them rule against us. It was a two to one, three. It was three to nothing yeah. against us. So you're like, okay, the court rules one way one time, the rule the, the next way the next time. Different, you know, different rule. Though, yeah. Right? Well, yeah, it. but the issues the issue, didn't change. Yeah. Right. The issue was the same. Uh, and you know, when it's the same court, except with appellate with appellate courts, there may be a dozen different judges, maybe more. They just get assigned, and oftentimes, if a case has been held by a court, been before a court before they bring the same judges back simply because they have familiarity. Yeah. Well, they didn't there. They didn't, okay, huh. Three totally It was just different. totally, to yeah. that were totally unfamiliar with the issues. Right. But then we appealed to have the whole, all the judges, yeah, yeah. on bonk, yeah. they call it, or whatever, yeah. and they, they denied that appeal. So then 
The, the next step is to go all the way. Supreme Court or try to get something done through the legislative, you know, which is way do you, within. Do you hear anything that is encouraging about uh, when you noticed in, in the hearings, uh, I can't remember the name of the case, but in the Supreme Court uh, uh, confirmation hearings for uh, Gorsuch this week, they're talking a lot about the GPS, uh, I think it's the, the GPS, uh, it's a GPS related case. What I'm struggling to remember there is, uh, is the Jones case, which was decided in 1983 and essentially involved the use of a, uh, a GPS device uh, on a car uh, for law enforcement purposes uh, without a, a judicial warrant, which was decided uh, uh, you know, in favor of the, de the defendant in the case. The use of the, of the device was, uh, was uh, deemed an unreasonable search. It makes you wonder what the, again, I think if this were to come before the Supreme Court, I think they would take an interest in it. Sure. Because it addresses issues that have never been dealt with before. Right. Kind of the rest of the story there is that uh, FMCSA is really providing no direction or guidance or anything like that in regard to what an ELD, what a compliant device would be. Right. Those that are on their website, didn't they say under the FAST Act provisions that we are actually not allowed to give that guidance out? Wasn't that what one of them told you, Todd? Well, because of provisions of the law, and then of course provisions of things may change with the new administration too. Okay. There, but yeah, what you're talking about is specific, a specific provision of the FAST Act that covers what kind of guidelines they can put together. And right now, uh, one of the things they're saying is that they're, they're, they're may be legally prohibited from doing it. But see, I don't think they're ready to anyway. And the other side of that is that we don't think that states are anywhere close to ready to actually start enforcing ELD requirements if everybody had them. You know, one of the other things about the ELD thing is, Todd, what I sat in on that meeting up there at Jordan's office, mm -hmm. Rotor Cartage, the, the, from Lyme, Ohio, there are, I don't know, probably 100, 150 trucks. But the guy was talking about, the safety manager was talking about that their CSA scores have really improved since they went to the ELDs. And he said, you know, we had a driver in Illinois the other day, was pulled under the scale for a check. And so the guy says, I need to see your logbook. And the guy goes, oh, well, and, and he said, this driver happened to be one of our guys that's not really a fan of the ELD. He said, ah, oh, you know, I got this piece of crap up here in a windshield. And he goes, oh, you're on ELDs? Oh, oh, okay, you're good. Yeah. He didn't even check it. Right. So it's like Todd was saying, it gives you the illusion of compliance. And this guy was talking, oh, man, our, our scores have just done really great. Because they're not getting checked. Because they're not getting checked. I mean, they verify that they have the recorder. Sure but they don't actually go in and look at it and see, I mean, maybe the guy is, maybe it's not. So, I mean, you know, and so a lot of these companies, they're putting the stickers on the truck, they're getting passed through the scales, and you're somebody like me, maybe you're an owner-operator and running the paper log, I don't have the sticker, well, let's pull this guy around and see if his paper log is, you know. So, you know. Um, it creates this, uh, this course sort of bias in uh, selection. You know? yeah, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a smoke and mirrors thing where it makes people think, oh, you know, there's, and the FMCs go, oh man, look, the scores are going way down. You know, your CSA score, the lower it is, the better. Looks good, right? And it looks great, so we know they're working, right? Certainly an often reported situation there, of course. And after that uh, talk, uh, moved on uh, to the subject of uh, split sleeper birth, the pilot program that I wrote about last week. 
uh, coming up to uh, you know allow an exemption to a subset of drivers uh, to split uh, more liberally than what is allowed now with the eight and two. Um, uh, this would uh, take a look at uh, three and seven, four and six, five and five, and uh, you know look at those drivers over time to determine uh, you know safety outcomes uh, from from doing that. Uh, and, and doing it in a variety of ways. You can find that uh, that story at overdriveonline.com by searching uh, fixing the 14-hour rule, as it were. Uh, coming a mantra lately, isn't it? Uh, but anyway, I asked, uh, asked Todd and uh, Monty uh, whether they thought, uh, you know, they, they thought that held any promise uh, at all uh, in the future for the hours of service. But I mean, yeah, we think, it, we think there's a real possibility there. Right. I mean, and it's it's really common sense. Well, yeah. and here's the thing, Todd, under the old 10 and 8, that's the way we all done it. I know. You know, you, you, as long as you didn't have over 15 hours and 24, if you want to take a two-hour break, fine and dandy, take the two-hour break. I mean, and, and you know, I mean, right. right you right. do it to avoid traffic. Yep. Right, right. Or maybe like you oh. use the example of bad weather. Absolutely. You know, yeah. if a guy can outrun a storm, why would you want to be in a snowstorm when maybe you could outrun it, even though maybe you... What? I've Could, been in that situation. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's like I said, it's common sense. And when you want your drivers to stay out of that, if they could, right? You know, so sometimes you drive a little faster to try to stay ahead. Exactly. I yeah. mean, anybody that knows anything about driving understands, and those that don't, they don't. Um, Would you know if this was the law of the land? Uh, again, sort of mm -hmm. kept fourteen-hour rule, but you could extend it out with these. You know, split periods. Um, would the ELDs be uh, more palatable or not? You mean if there well, were changes in the hours of service? Yeah, would, be, would be palatable to me because I'd be Well, there's still the cost involved. I well, mean, I mean, uh, you're talking you know, about. I'm just. You you're know. talking about the hours of service regulations. Yeah. Those regulations are an issue. Yeah. But ELDs is ELDs are a productivity advice for carriers. They want to be able to push drivers to get every available. Yeah. Possible minute. That's what. The, that's why they want them. Okay. I mean, it, they acknowledge that straight out after the stuff came out. It's a productivity device. But until it can tell whether or not somebody is actually somebody not not fatigued or fatigued, then it's not going to be a safety device. So it's a device that's counter to that. So, but again, why would a one truck operator want to pay? the continuous monthly fees, buy the equipment, and the up equipment will have to be upgraded. The equipment will malfunction. Why would you put that kind of cost on if it doesn't have a benefit to you? People want to use them, that's fine. Yeah. Should there be a mandate? Hell no. See, I mean, it's like at that meeting, you know, and I hadn't even thought about this, but some of the companies, like that rotor car is already on it, they said, you know, it's actually said, even though we had the expense of buying the other, we saved money on the fuel tax reporting because I think they were able to maybe get rid of one of their staff or, you know, because it's, you know, push of a button and it's all downloaded and it's all, you know, put in there and formatted out and boom, you know, it's done. So, so like I say, for, you know, these big fleets and stuff, I can see if they, if they want to do it from the record keeping standpoint, you know, but I mean, to force, you know, individual owner operators or small fleets like myself, like we've got eight trucks, um, to have to do it, I mean, where we, we're working well without it, I I don't want it. I mean, like I said, yeah, if they improve the hour service, it would make it better, but I mean, do I want it still? No. 
Finally, the uh, talk turned uh, into the area of training and uh, particularly the entry level driver training rule, which has been uh, delayed a bit and uh, has been through several iterations um, in, uh, in recent years. And you know, OIDA has been pushing for that for, for decades at this point. But uh, Todd uh, had, had a little bit of a thought about um, the measure, measurement of safety and uh, experience of the driver, something that he says uh, you know, we don't really track very much. It's, it's inexcusable that we don't measure experience of the driver that have crashes. Sure. There are so many things that, again, if you focus on who crashes, you're going to gain some insight as to who does and who doesn't. Sure. To focus on training. If I could just expand a little bit on that. But last year we were down here for a listening session, and the FNCSA, Bill Quaid was one of the guys who was down. And so I was up there talking and I said, you know, because at the time they wanted to give technology credits to the carrier if they load the truck with technology, give them credits to get their safety score. And so I brought up a couple of, of things to where, and, 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 and both of them were, were airline analogies. But if you recall the crash out in Sioux Falls, Iowa there several years ago, where it was a DC-10 and the, the center engine over the top it exploded and it cut all the hydraulics out of the plane. Now the pilot was a well, matter of fact, he had to retire not long after this, but he was a well-seasoned pilot. He had, I mean, that, that plane was the latest and greatest at the time. But you know how he flew the plane because the only way he could fly the plane was by varying the speed of the engine. That was that was from up here. That wasn't from a book, it wasn't wow. technology. Nothing a book about it. And, right. and you remember Sully, yep. when the bird strike hit, he knew by the way the plane was. He didn't. He instinctively knew. Yet when you know in the movie they show that the computer saying, "Well, you could have made it back to Teterboro. You could have made it back." He said, "No, we're going to be in the Hudson." Well, yeah, but why? I mean, you, you could have made it back. The computer said you could have made it back. Well, when they figured in the time of him trying to restart the engines and all like that, he couldn't make it back. And he put it. And I mean, man, that's that's a remarkable thing when you think about that. Nobody was killed in that. Well, yeah, that's experience. Flying with the seeds, that's the way you do it. What were you going to say, Tom? I was going to say, pilots spend a lot of time, a lot of training yeah. on what to do when things go bad. Right, right. None of that stuff exists for truckers. Well, I mean, they barely get training on going down the road. Yeah. <laughs> you have to learn to react instinctively. Yeah. The same companies that think ELDs are great have fought against that entry-level driver training standard that we tried to get for over 30 years. The same people that think ELDs are safe have fought against that. And I mean, you know, when you come down to it, I mean, it's just like when you first learned how to drive, your mom and dad turned you loose, you know, you didn't really know a whole lot what was going on. But as time, you know, and things happen, experience, you know, it, it means a whole lot.